Well, we're going to come to our time now where we open up uh, God's word and we hear it to us and we're continuing our Proverbs series. So if you want to get Proverbs chapter three, uh, verses one to 19 open, if you have a Bible there and I'll read it out for us as Phil will come and explain that to us. Proverbs chapter three, verses one to 19. My son, do not forget my teaching. But keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them round your neck. Write them on a tablet on your heart. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight do not be wise in your own eyes fear the lord and shun evil this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones honor the lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding, he set heavens in place. Oh, thank you so much, Phil, uh, as you come now and explain that passage to us. Thank you, Phil. Brilliant, thanks, Dan. Um, so um, these opening nine chapters of Proverbs are the first section of the book, and they consist of where a father sits his son down to give him some fatherly advice. And his words are full of God's love for his children. He knows God's wisdom brings the greatest treasure in life, the most glorious path to walk in life. And he's desperate for his children to know wisdom. And when we read it, we have to have that in mind. We have to begin to see that these are not just a whole stack of wisdom statements that tell us the right thing to do or say or be. Instead, they show us a path that leads to bringing glory to God and knowing his love more and more. So rather than being about us and getting a good outcome in life for us, they're about God, about learning to live God's love, uh, learning to live with God's love close to our hearts and in such a way that God gets the glory in our lives. And you know, we really need to hear this message this evening and in our times because our culture is so focused on the individual. For example, we're told to reach our full potential as individuals. 
We're told to be who we really are and do what we want, to think our own way. But that leads to a, a selfish expectation that life is all about us. And do you know what? It's devastating with that worldview when reality hits and we find out that life is not all about us. And that's why we need wisdom this evening. That's why we need these chapters this, this evening. We need a wisdom that takes our eyes off ourselves and draws our gaze to life that brings glory to God, not us. A life where in wisdom we will be truly satisfied, truly fulfilled and not shaken when reality hits. And the Father, the Father wants us in these verses to live wisely, not focused on ourselves, but on a way that brings us closer to God, a wise way. So look, I've, uh, Andy's just very kindly shared with you um, uh, sort of my, my notes for this evening. Thanks, Andy. Um, and and if, you, if you open those and have those open uh, next to you, that would be really good. And a Bible open in front of you, that would be even better. Um, so we're going to look at the uh, Proverbs chapter three, which is just one proverb out of um, uh, one, sorry, one chapter out of those uh, first nine chapters. Um, so it's the chapter where uh, <clears throat> the father sits his child down, uh, kind of has a heart to heart and shares his wisdom. And what he wants to do is teach his children how to be the wholehearted wise man or woman. And we're gonna look at briefly five things he mentions in this chapter or in these verses. And the first thing he says is this, immerse yourself in God's word, immerse yourself in God's word. That's what verses one and two tell us. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Now, just by way of explanation, it's helpful to imagine that these words um, are for us. The father who sits us down is our heavenly father, giving us his godly advice. So these first instructions are about God's word. The father says, don't forget God's word and keep God's word. Don't forget God's word and keep God's word, not just inwardly, but outwardly too. Not just outwardly, but inwardly too. And it tells us that God knows us. He knows that we're prone to forget. So he says, don't forget God's word. He knows that we're prone to self-righteousness, that outward show of obedience, that, that, that covers over a rebellious attitude. So he says, keep my commands in your heart because that will keep your obedience genuine. But in saying these two things, the proverb also suggests being wholehearted is hard work because we're sinners and we're not going to do these things automatically. And that's why he says, just guys, start with God's word. Immerse yourself in God's word, become wise in God's word. And interestingly, the Psalms, Psalms start with the same way too. The key to the Psalms, Psalm one, starts off with saying, just delight yourself in the law of the Lord, meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. And it's the same, same here in Proverbs. If we want to know wisdom and immerse ourselves in the presence of God, we will keep God's word in our hearts. We'll delight in it, we'll meditate on it, we'll chew over it in our minds. And I've said before, but I'll say it again, Christian meditation is different to Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is about emptying our minds and focusing on nothing and becoming one with the universe. 
Christian meditation is about filling our minds with God's word, chewing it over, thinking it through, dwelling on it. And we, we meditate on things all the time, don't we? We meditate. On, I said it last summer. You walk past a glorious car and you kind of meditate on, hmm, how could I afford that thing roaring down Children Road? Um, you, you see, uh, you're walk, walking down the street, you see a, a glorious um, a T-shirt, item of clothing, a dress or whatever, and you, you start meditating on it. Oh, it's such lovely colours. Such, How could I afford that? How could I justify it? How could I make sure that my husband or, or my, my wife knows I really like it and buys it for my birthday? We meditate on these things, don't we? In the same way, Christian meditation is taking God's word and chewing it over, going over and over and over and over and over like a washing machine in our minds. And Martin Luther, the Reformation, uh, uh, Martin Luther of the Reformation, not Martin Luther King, um, Martin Luther taught his church to go through a, a verse from the psalm or a proverb by dwelling on four questions, chewing these, uh, chewing, chewing this, this, verse or proverb in your mind and using four questions to do that um, so so take um, proverbs 3 verse 1 it says my son do not forget my teaching but keep my commands in in your heart and luther said well just ask yourself four questions just to help you help you dwell on it the first question is teaching what does this proverb teach me about god god's concern for me is for my heart and not my outward obedience. That's what, we can, that, that's what we can say it teaches us. Adoring, that's the second one. How can I adore God for this truth? So we can say, God is not about making me a moral robot, but he wants me to swim in his love. Uh, confession, this is the third question. What sin does this proverb teach me to confess? That's really helpful, isn't it? You know, we might say it's really easy to be moral and just moral. And we can say to God, Lord, I easily forget your word. Please help me to remember it. And then we can ask, what does this proverb teach me to ask? And we might, we might, we might ruminate and might think it through and say, Lord, give me a heart that wants to keep your commands in it. Now, look, I've just skimmed over it, but try it tonight if you can. Because in doing that, you will find yourself thinking and meditating on God's word and not just reading it, not just skimming it through, but genuinely immersing yourself in the word of God. So the second thing that chapter three teaches us about how to be the wholehearted wise man or woman is this. Find God's love. Find God's love. Verse three and four says this. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, these verses are a reference to Exodus 34, where God meets with Moses personally. And what happens is, is God hides Moses in the cleft of a rock and then displays his glory as he goes, uh, displays his glory. And as he does so, he declares the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands. In other words, the father says the wise person is the person who knows God's love personally and immerses themselves in a relationship with God. And the command's quite forceful here, isn't it? Bind them, bind love and faithfulness around your neck. In the culture of the day, people didn't have wallets. Instead, they'd wear their valuables as a necklace. 
In other words, treat love and faithfulness, the character of God, as the most valuable, precious thing in your universe. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Literally chisel out God's love in the stony granite of your heart so it cannot be forgotten. So it's, Im- it's just immovable. They're powerful images, aren't they? They tell us the Father believes God's hesed love, his never failing, uh, constant covenant love is the most valuable thing in this life to know and own. And the point is this, knowing God's love will be seen by those around us. That's the thrust of verse four. It says, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men. And today, this is what the Holy Spirit wants us to do and wants to do in us. He wants to so work in our hearts that we know Jesus and imitate his love. That's why when you read through the New Testament letters, they're all about love and love, love expressed in the church and for God's people. That's why Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 9 to 11, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The truth is, Jesus knows this, we know it. We have to work hard at loving our brothers and sisters. But we do it because Jesus loved us to death. And he wants us to know love like he does. Loving one another is sacrificial in the same way as Christ's love is sacrificial. That's what giving is about. It's sacrificial. That's what fellowship is about. It's sacrificial. That's what it means to belong to a church. Church is not about me or us or you or whatever. The church is about others. And the great truth is, the more we love sacrificially, the more we know Jesus' love the more we engrave God's hesed love on our hearts, the more we tie his his faithfulness around our necks and the more precious it will be to us. The third thing the father says to his child is this, the true way to be the wholehearted wise man or woman is to be reliant, be reliant. Look at verse five and six with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. They're some of the most well-known verses of the Bible. The Hebrew word for trust comes from the picture of someone lying helplessly face down. So the image in our minds when we think about trusting the Lord is one of self-surrender. It means believing that God knows what he's doing and that his wisdom and ways are best. And we need to trust God today, don't we? Our world is massively confusing, isn't it? Our culture is split and polarized by social media. Our national mood is darkened by the daily news of the march of coronavirus. But the invitation here is to build our lives on God's love by having an attitude that trusts God in all the uncertainty, in all the chaos. And we do that by listening to him, by relying on his wisdom, not the voices of the world around us. So how do we deal with the uncertainty of our times? We listen to God. How do we deal with the media of social, the the confusion of social media? We listen to him. 
we give our hearts and our minds and we say in this world, in this life, first and foremost, I know my God is sovereign and he cares for me. I trust him. The fourth thing that chapter three teaches about the wholehearted wise man or woman is this. Be teachable and generous. Be teachable and generous. Look at verse seven and nine with me. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And in verse nine, honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. In a sense, both teachability and generosity are attitudes that apply the instructions to trust in the Lord. So the teachable person is the one whose self-esteem is rooted, first of all, in what the Father thinks of them, not others. So that when people give advice or when they're critical, such is our self-esteem, such is our, our grounding that we're able to stand and listen and, and take note and learn rather than run or fight or be defensive. And it is tough to take criticism or feedback, it is. But to keep our minds and our hearts open, to hear what others say, shapes us and helps us grow. We learn teachability by finding our self-esteem in the Father. Similarly with generosity, the generous person is the one who trusts God for all things and treats what God has given them as something to give to others. Generosity mirrors the generosity of God towards us and trust that what we have been given comes from God and is not the product of our own hard work. The last thing that chapter three teaches about how to be wholehearted and how to be the wholehearted wise man or woman is this, be realistic, be realistic. Look at verse 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son, he delights him. In other words, what this verse says is we're going to mess up and we're going to need the Lord's discipline to help us see it. We're none of us perfect. We're often stubborn. We're often really hard to get through to. So we're gonna get things wrong. So be realistic. Don't be shocked that we need to be rebuked. Don't be surprised when we get things really, really badly wrong. And therefore don't be afraid to admit it and say sorry for it. That is wisdom. So you know, the father has gone through these five things that teach us how to be a wholehearted man or woman. But when you step back and read this chapter, you realize these words of advice are not just a tick list, but they paint a picture of a person that the father cannot help but sing about. And that's why in verse 13, he bursts into song. It's a song about the work of wisdom on his children. Let me read them. Blessed are those who find wisdom, 
those who gain understanding for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold she is more precious than rubies nothing you desire can compare with her long life is in her right hand in her left hand are riches and honor her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her those who hold fast to her will be blessed now i've been reading uh, the biographical stories of james herriot who was a vet in the Yorkshire Dales between the wars. And he tells the story of how at the end of one day, just before going to bed, he decided to take a bath and fill the bath with the housekeeper's rose scented bath salts just for a treat. And it was a treat both for his sore body and for his soul as he basked in the heat of a sweet smelling bath and just before he went to bed. But in the middle of the night, the phone rang and he had to go out to a farm to help with a cow that was having trouble calving. And as he was driving to the farm, he suddenly became very self-conscious about the way he smelt because the bath salts had left him smelling like a bed of roses. But the problem was he knew that when he arrived at the farm, the farmer and his hulking Yorkshire farmhands would be waiting for his help and they wouldn't not notice his smell. You see, the song about wisdom is about how wisdom will not go unnoticed in much the same way as a smell of roses on a farm. But unlike James Herriot's embarrassing smell, wisdom is sweet. It's unusual. It's beautiful. It gets everywhere. It's noticeable. It's alive. You won't walk this world unnoticed if you get wisdom. You, your life will totally stand out if you do. In a good way. In a winsome way in a way where Jesus is honoured. And when you step back and read this chapter, you realise it's like a song. And it's a song not just about the children who live wisely, but about the one who will come and be the complete fulfilment of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 30 tells us that Christ is the wisdom of God. He is the one whom the father sings about here. He fulfills the whole book of Proverbs completely. He's the word of God as we go through our passage. He's the word of God. He's the love of God, the hesed of God. He fully trusted in God's sovereignty as he hung on the cross. He is the great teacher. He's the one who disciplines his children. And in him are all the things that the father tells his children to be. And the song at the end of our passage is about him. He's the one who fulfills all that wisdom brings. Long life, pleasant ways. And he is most importantly, the tree of life. And this is his promise. And this is the promise of this chapter. All who hold fast to him will be blessed. And listen, if we this evening, want to know wisdom, want to find wisdom, want to, to be all these things, we find them first and foremost in Christ. By listening to him, by trusting in him as our Lord and Saviour, and putting him first in everything we do. And as we do that, we will find that we want to be immersed in God's word. We want to learn from him. 
We find that we trust God because his saviour has died for us. We find that he, he is full wisdom. He is our wisdom. And he is our saviour. And listen, I, I realise this is only a, an introduction to the, the first nine chapters, but I hope that both is, is a helpful explanation of this chapter, but also a helpful handle on how to read the Proverbs, how to meditate on them, and most of all, how to immerse ourselves in God's word that we might become wise and know our saviour, Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Oh, Father God, we praise you and worship you this evening. We praise you for sitting us down and teaching us to be wise um, children of God. We thank you for um, your great wisdom. And Lord God, we praise you for Jesus, who is the, the true fulfillment of wisdom. Oh, Lord God, teach us, we pray. Immerse us in your word, we pray. Lead us in the ways of wisdom, we ask. And we do so in the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen.